And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Sunday, February 28th, and we are continuing our conversation with Brent Weiss from Facet Wealth. That's an investment advisory firm. Brent Weiss is an interesting guy. They call him the chief evangelist, which is a goofy title, but he's really, more importantly, a certified financial planner. And we recorded this interview earlier in the new year. And what's important about that is that we talk about some of the lessons that we need to learn from last year. So here's the second part of our interview with Brent Weiss. What is it do you think is the, you know, the lesson of 2020 that people need to really think about going into this new year? How do you, how do you think people need to take what just happened to all of us and apply it to their financial lives? The number one thing I know that I've learned in 2020 for myself and for all of our clients is that we have to focus on what I'll call our, our financial foundation. What we realized in 2020 is that this, this health crisis exposed some cracks in the, in the financial health foundation, if you will, of a lot of American households out there. Now, what is that foundation? That foundation starts with having positive cash flow, right? How, like spending less than you make. Positive cash, I mean, discretionary income to put towards the things that matter most to you in your life and your longer term financial goals. That's like the, that's like the nutrition that feeds the system, right? Yep. That feeds your financial body. Number two, yep. building an emergency fund. I think we saw a lot of people at first were like, oh, geez, maybe I didn't have enough money uh, to get me through a three or six month period of, of income disruption or income loss. We've seen, I mean, record levels of unemployment. We're still at record levels of unemployment. Number three, really hammering down or getting rid of bad debt. 
the biggest issue, the, the crisis that's coming now is a student loan crisis, right? $1.6-ish trillion in student loans. But people are like credit card debt's a problem, personal loans, really making sure that you get rid of that bad personal debt. Mm-hmm. Right? And the number four, which is I'm going to say is like the least sexy thing that I'll ever talk about, is making sure that you and your family are protected. I think we need to make death and estate planning sexy again. Okay, it never was sexy. But you know what I'm saying? That I do believe that we just need to like stop with this and say, I know no one wants to think about death. Well, tough luck. You're an adult. You know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. We need to change the way we talk about that. I really am. I'm so, so 100% clear that people, one thing that they can take out of this is like, hey, you know what? Make sure that your healthcare proxy is taken care of. You never know what's going to happen. Now yeah. that well, and for a while, people are not going to like roll their eyes and be like, oh, no, because they're going to say, oh, yeah, I really don't know that. So here's actually the, and if we want to talk about sort of uh, New Year's resolutions or how to ma- make it sound different, the way I talk about it to my clients is don't think about it as executing your will. What I ask my clients is what matters most to you? Right. What are you trying to achieve? They go, you know what? I, I really want to make sure that I like I'm financially secure, all of that. But like I'm taking care of my kids and my family. Well, OK, you know how we do that? Let's make sure you have your state planning documents. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be. I get it. It's not fun. But really, here's a key question I ask every one of my clients, Jill. What is the most valuable asset you have? Everybody goes, well, it's my home. It's my 401k. And I go, well, let me, let me stop you. I go, it's you. Right. You're the most valuable asset. You're, the, you're the, the breadwinner. You're the one generating income. You're the one taking care of your family. They go, wow, I never thought about it that way. I go, let's make sure we're taking care of you. Right. And this is this is little things like your employee benefits, your health insurance, disability insurance, your life insurance, making sure that you and the ones you love are protected. Heaven forbid something happens to you. I know we hate talking about that, but really important parts of your financial foundation. And then from there, we can talk about the more fun stuff of, hey, now let's talk about investing. Now let's talk about building wealth. Now let's talk about creating a legacy for generations to come. But we have to focus on that financial foundation before we should take the next step and focus on the the larger wealth conversation down the road. How do you, I mean, once you've gotten people to to sort of manage that financial foundation or at least pinky swear with their advisor that they're going to do that, okay? (laughs) Once you get them to do that, what's the best way to try to stick to it? I think that that's where people find themselves at a loss. Like, okay, it's January. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to like walk more, eat better. I'm ready to manage my financial life. Now let's go fast forward. It's five, six months from now. And hopefully God willing, the world has opened up and now it's like, I want to travel. I want to do, I want to spend, I want to, and how do you get people to stay on track? Here's what I know. Improving your overall financial health is about a healthier lifestyle. It takes really – think about really small uh, small changes that you can make. It's, it's the KISS. I know I changed the KISS acronym, but like keep it super small. Like don't mm-hmm. go out there and go, you know what? I'm going to change my financial life in 2021 because you're probably – first of all, it's not very clear, right? Like what does that actually mean? Like how do you know you're there? I go find your why and you'll find your way, right? Really understand why do I want to achieve certain goals in my life? What does it mean to me? What does money help me do in life? And then from there, go, okay, now I understand what's most important to me. Let me try three goals. Don't have 10 or 15. You'll never achieve Right, right. I mean, I think that you're right, making it measurable and making it attainable and, you know, all of those things. I mean, listen, as someone who is also trained as a CFP like you, I also really do believe that when you work with somebody, I think you're more likely to actually reach the goal and keep the resolution. I really do because- you know, it's hard to do it on your own. It just is. It is. Well, I, I, I call myself a commitment coach. 
remember, part of our job as a financial planner is not just to give you really good advice and like, based upon what you want to achieve and your goals and help you make more informed and confident decisions. It's to help you meet the commitments that you make to yourself. As a planner, you're not making a commitment to me, right? You're, you're paying me to do a job for you. You're making a commitment to something that you believe in in your, in your life. Mm-hmm. And so my job is then to help you commit, right? Maintain your commitment to that. And so what I do for a lot of my clients, we may not meet every single month. Frankly, no one wants to talk to me every single month. I joke with my clients like, look, I'd love to talk, talk to you every single week or every single month, but you probably don't want to meet with your financial planner that often. Mm-hmm. So we typically every three months or six months, we're doing a video conference session to check in. But sometimes for my clients, I'll send them an email once a month and say, hey, Jill, how are you doing on your on your updated budget? How are you doing on paying down some of that debt? How are you doing on your uh, saving for that new home that you that you want to buy? That actually works. What is the role of an advisor trying to get someone back on track after they've fallen off the wagon? I think the the first thing is you have to be there by their side and, and not judge them, right? I, I was going to say this is a no judgment zone. The two things we're never taught in life are money and relationships, yet money and relationships touch every part of our lives. So this, this isn't easy. I actually talked to someone yesterday who said, I have so much anxiety and stress and embarrassment over my money because I don't know how to do this thing. And I said, well, first of all, I said, welcome to being human. That's exactly right. Right. So number one is like, don't like, we're not here to judge anybody. No judgment zone. Look, I've made mistakes in my financial life. I just happen to be a CFP. So I, I, I should know better. So I can judge myself, but I, we don't judge our clients. Number one, that, that's what it is. Number two is understanding the cause of the issue, right? What's the root cause? How did we get to where we are today? What does money mean to us? What are the things that are keeping us from achieving some of those goals? And then frankly saying, hey, you know, maybe it wasn't the right goal. Maybe we set the wrong goal or maybe it wasn't realistic given the things that we had. I mean, the, give me an example of that. Give me an example. Because I think that's important to say that, you know, you set out a goal and maybe something has happened in your real life or something or just it hasn't worked. So give an example of that. Well, I, I think the primary thing I can share with you is a lot of times it's like so there's this social media financial life thing that we all see. Right. So some people go out there and say, hey, you know, what? I want to buy a house or I want to buy a new car and they want to buy an expensive, whatever it is. And we go and go, okay, like that sounds good. That's the goal that we're going to set. Let's go try to achieve it. And then all of a sudden they realize that they, they meet the love of their life or they're getting engaged or they're getting married or COVID-19 hits and they go, hey, you know what? Maybe that wasn't the most important thing. Maybe I value flexibility. So maybe buying a house right now isn't the right thing for me. I've actually had several clients say that. It's like, oh, I want to buy a house. I go, you know what? Hey, Life is changing very quickly. Life is changing rapidly. I think one of the the things that we get wrong, Jill, in financial planning, it's almost like here's the tablet handed down from the top of the mountain, right? These are your goals. Stick to them or else. It really should be more of this like iterative, ongoing, living, breathing thing that people have. If you build a flexible, adaptive financial plan or really financial life, you can make changes. And by the way, if you don't achieve a goal, like it's okay to miss the mark on some of these. What oh, that's, I want to have a conversation with you about this. Let's use the the analogy of my Apple Watch. You're very into your fitness. I know this. Yes. Right? It's near and dear to my heart. Okay. So when you set a goal of a move goal on your Apple Watch or you, Brent, set some goal about like, here's how much I'm going to work out or whatever. Mm. How do you manage being a certain type of person when you don't hit that goal every day? For example, I moved my, I changed my move goal mm-hmm. and now I'm not hitting it every day and it's driving me crazy. What should I do? Because it's really the same thing as saying, setting a financial goal and I may not be able to achieve it necessarily. And like, how do I manage that emotionally? What's the suggestion? Well, I, I think the first thing is step back and go, okay, like, why did I set this higher goal? Like, what does that goal actually mean? Mm-hmm. Like, is it the right goal? Number one, like, okay, so I want to move more. Great. Okay. I didn't achieve it. Well, 
how do you take smaller steps towards it? Literally smaller steps towards it. Like I, 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 I don't have a Fitbit. I have a Whoop strap. So it doesn't track my steps. I, I actually don't care about my steps. It's, it's a strain thing versus a step thing, right? It's saying, okay, maybe the bar was too high. Like if, if I want to go, for, and Jill, you have to correct me on this. Like maybe you want to get to what 20,000 steps a day. I don't, I don't even know what that means, right? 20,000 steps. And let's say you were going from 15,000 to 20,000. You're like, geez, why didn't get to 20,000? Like, well, can I get to 16,000? And then can I consistently get to 17,000? This goes back to the conversation we had about resolutions. Like it it comes down to habits. Like how do we create healthier habits personally, professionally, financially, and gradually improve them over time? If we try to make these like the new year, new you thing, if we try to achieve it overnight, we're never going to do it. Now, it also comes down to understanding who you are. Like I'm the kind of person, I'll set a really lofty goal. And if I don't achieve it, I'm like, okay, cool. That was a pretty big goal. I'm okay with that. But some people need to say, you know what? Instead of going from 15,000 steps to 20, maybe I go 15,000 and my new goal is 16,000. So when I achieve it, I feel really good. There Mm -hmm. are other people who go, you know what? I'm going to push myself and 20,000 is the goal, but I'm also not going to beat myself up if I only get to 17,000. I like that idea that it does have to be personalized. And you know what? Like, Screw me. I have to like get okay with it. And, and, and it's the same thing with your financial life. Like some people will say to me, like, they'll get on the air with us and they'll say, I want to retire when I'm 59. And I'll say, I don't think you can, you know, you may want to, but I don't think you can. I can't give you the security that you'll get there safely Mm -hmm. or that getting there, then retiring. I can't tell you that everything's going to be just fine when you're 82 we have to just get right with that. Like acceptance is a part of this. It's the 1% pledge. Like what 1% change can you make today? Maybe you're contributing 5% to your 401k. Can you go to 6%? Can you go I from- like I like that. I like the 1% pledge. Mark, let's steal that. Maybe we should incorporate this into some of our conversations with people. Like what is the, what is the one thing, like 1% better that you'll do this year with your financial life? I'm going to take my retirement contributions and I'm going to go from 5% to 6%, right? That's an easy one. So here's the thing, right? Number one, before you take the 1% pledge, just write down the things that matter most to you, right? And, and like, I would even say, build a, like draw a line down the middle of a page and do two things. On one side, write down the things that are creating stress in your financial life. On the other side, write down the things you feel good about in your financial life. Okay. okay. Now, primarily what most people want to do is they want to get out of the things that are causing stress. But what I want you to do, and then prioritize them, because right? for a lot of people, Jill, if I go through this list of financial New Year's resolutions, you know what most of them have to do with debt? Um, mm-hmm. I, well, first of all, it starts with creating a budget because they don't know where their money is going. But number two, pay off a credit card, pay down my credit card, build healthier credit, really understand what it is and then decide, okay, what's the most important goal? How can I make one a 1% change? So maybe it's saving 1% of your income. I know that sounds absurd. of your income every single month to pay down more of that debt. Yep. 1% towards building that emergency fund. 1% towards funding that college savings plan for your kiddos that are there. And you're going, geez, in 15 years, how am I going to afford this crazy thing called college? Now, the other second part of this is you then have to check in with yourself and then try to go up by 1% more, right? So if you do that 401k, the retirement plan thing you mentioned, Jill, and you go from 5% to 6%, schedule a money date with yourself in six months, or 12 months and go, can I get from 6% to 7%? That consistent evolution, small incremental changes to your financial lifestyle really will pay off over time. I can't promise many things as an advisor, but I promise you, if you take those small steps, the 1% pledge worked for me, Jill. It got me to the point where I was saving 15% of my income in my early 30s, because when I started, I started at 1% and went to two. I couldn't save 15 or 20% overnight, but I could go from one to two or five to six or 10 to 11. 
Well, thanks so much for listening today. And if you've got a financial question, don't forget, send us a note. It's askjill at jillonmoney.com. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer and the mystery man. You can only find out what he sounds like if you actually come on the show with us. We're distributed by Cadence 13. Don't forget to wash your hands, to wear your masks, to maintain your physical distancing, and try to lift somebody up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.